You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you today. If whether you're joining us via Zoom or uh, here in person, finally having the option to gather and worship together, it's very, it's very fun. For those of y'all that are here, like this building is, they've they've made some upgrades since the last time we were in here. If you were here before, so it's kind of it's, it's pretty cool. I'm, I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake, and I'm so glad uh, that you're joining us. And it's my joy for us to uh, lead us into a time of uh, continuing our series out of the, uh, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. And what we're going to see in this passage is that Paul prays for something that we rarely, if ever, pray for, which is not good for us. Because what Paul prays for here is something that we all desperately need in order to have a deeper, more life-giving, more uh, joy-producing, peace-bringing experience of God. Like, have you ever uh, heard uh, someone talk about their relationship with God in a way that just felt completely foreign to you? Like, it's as if they're describing a relationship with God, experience with God that you just are like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Now, if, if you're not a Christian here, or maybe you don't even, you're not even sure if you believe that there's a God, then perhaps you feel that way every time someone talks about God. I, I would get that. But you might not know that Christians often feel that way about how other Christians talk about their relationship with God. Like, Christians, maybe, you, you, can you relate to this? Like, someone's talking about, maybe you're hearing a friend talk about, like, hearing from God. And you're like, what's that mean? Or, like, being, like, overwhelmed by God's love. And, like, they're just moved. And maybe they're talking about, like, they're weeping. Or they're just overwhelmed. And you're like, <laughs> that's never happened to me. Or, or they're talking about this peace that they feel. Like, this just kind of comes over them in the midst of difficult circumstances where they can just rest. And you're like, man, I, I wish I felt that before. But, I, like, I, I cannot relate. If you've ever been there, why, why do you think that that is the case? Like, I think some of us would say, well, that, that's the case because, um, well, I think maybe people are just wired differently. And some are more spiritual, or maybe some are more feelers. I'm just more of a thinker. I don't think I'd ever feel that kind of, have that kind of experience with God. Or perhaps you, you think, well, you know, maybe they are, maybe they just are pursuing God better than you are. And so you think, man, I need to try harder. I need to do more. And if I really pursue God, if I do more, then maybe I'll have that kind of experience. Or perhaps you think, well, you know, I bet you the people that talk that way, really experiencing God, I bet you they're just exaggerating, right? And like their experience is really no different than my experience. And so I'm just going to write it off as there's really not a deeper experience with God to be had. Or maybe there really is a deeper relationship with God to be had. That there's more of God to be experienced. And maybe we don't experience it. We don't experience him. Because we don't have it in and of ourselves to bring it about. Maybe we need what Paul prays for in this passage. And, you know, no surprise here, but I think that that's actually the right answer. 
And so I want us to look at this passage together. And I know that Jeff read it earlier for us, but we're going to read it again so it's fresh in our mind. And as I do, here's what I want you to look for. Notice these things. Notice what Paul prays for. And then there's going to be three reasons that, he, that hinges on that request about why he's praying for it. And then at the end, look at what he says about the one to whom he is praying to. Okay, so let me read it. Y'all look for those things. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says this. For this reason, and that's Paul referring back to all the gospel truths that he's covered in uh, chapters 1 and 2. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, which is interesting because Paul hardly ever mentions his posture in prayer. And here he's saying, I'm passionately pleading for this. I kneel before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may, and here's the request, strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then here's the first reason why. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all Lord's holy people uh, to, here's the second reason, grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that, third reason, you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, this is an incredible prayer. Do you notice what he's praying for? Put it simply, he's praying for God to give them power. But as you can see, it's not a power for it's not a prayer for power like over people or for God to put like Christians in a, a place of power. <laughs> now what he's asking God to do is to strengthen them with his power through his spirit in their inner being. And then as I point out, everything else in this prayer hinges on that request. To which we might want to say, okay, yeah, but what does that even mean, right? <laughs> strengthen you with power in your inner being. Well, uh, the Greek word translated power here is the word dynamis. It's which we get our word dynamite from. So Paul is specifically praying for God to give them a supernatural thing, explosive power through his spirit within. Like not to give them power, like, like not to empower their muscles, uh, though I would take some divinely supernaturally empowered muscles. That, that would be nice. But this isn't talking about the inner being, or this is talking about the inner being. It's not, not muscles, right? It's, it's the core of who you are, like your innermost being. Think about like the seat of your emotions and your desires, your thoughts. It's what drives you, your innermost being. Now, of all of the things that Paul could possibly pray for, why is this what has him on his knees pleading before God to do? Like, what is this what he is praying for? Well, it's because uh, all people, including the Ephesians in the first century and, and us today, all people are weak. We're weak. I mean, why else do you pray for power? You pray for power when you know you don't have it, right? Now, I know we don't like being told that we're weak, and I, you know, I'm sorry if I offended you there, but we don't like to admit our weaknesses. I don't like to admit my weaknesses, but Paul knows that we uh, knows something that we don't often acknowledge or perhaps we don't even 
want <laughs> to acknowledge, right? He knows that we are all too weak to fully know, fully experience God. We're all too weak to fully know, to fully experience God. And see, so one of the ways in which we are weak that Paul points out to in this prayer is that we have weak faith. This is why Paul prays for God to give us power so that, verse 17, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, now, let me try to explain what he means by this, okay? Because the idea of Jesus dwelling in our hearts through faith, it's not the same thing as God just being with us when we place our faith in Jesus alone for, to reconcile us to God. There, friends, all of us as believers are promised that God is always with us, that never will he leave us, never will he forsake us. We can know that he's with us, but what Paul, Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about something much richer, much deeper than that. You see, the, in the Greek language, to go back to that again, there's a, two different words that carried with it the idea or would be translated as dwelling, all right? Uh, so one was the idea of describing a visitor who would, who would dwell or reside in a, in a place, and another would be someone who would dwell or reside in a place that they own, all right? So com, you know, just compare like visiting a hotel or staying in your home that you own. And here, Paul uses the word that carries the meaning of dwelling in a place you own. And he knows that in order for us to, like, in a sense, hand Jesus the keys to our heart, like the keys to our lives, say, you're the owner now, I'm not the owner anymore. In order for us to do that, we're going to need God to strengthen our faith <laughs> with his power. Why? Because our faith or our trust in Jesus is weak. I mean, many, that's why many of us, and I'm including myself in this, are, are at times just really functionally content with Jesus being our Savior. But uh, we don't want him to be the Lord of our life. Like we don't want to hand over the keys to him right now. Like we're good, Jesus. We'll, we'll trust you completely with where we're going to spend eternity. But I don't know if I can trust you with how I'm going to live my life here and now. You know, can you, all, can you relate with that? Christ dwelling in our hearts looks like handing him the keys to our entire lives. Like not just, Jesus, I'll give you my Sunday morning, but please don't touch the rest of the weekend or the rest of the week for that matter. Like, uh, Jesus, I, I'm happy to do what you say in regards to loving my family, but please don't ask me to love people who are different than me or look different than me or vote differently than me. Don't, don't ask me to do that. Or Jesus, like, I, I'm happy to, to entrust my life to you in the sense of where I'll spend eternity, but, but please don't, don't try to touch my wallet right now or my bank account or my sex life or my thought life. Or don't ask me to get out of my comfort zone and go and love and serve people. See, Christ dwelling in our hearts looks like handing in the keys to our entire lives and letting him call shots. But we struggle to do that because our faith is weak. We aren't really sure if we can trust him. See, we would rather stay in control. And so Paul prays, Father, strengthen them with your power through your spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts as an owner through faith. Father, give them power to trust Jesus so that he may dwell in their hearts. And friends, 
just something to point out real quick. The reason that Paul wants Christ to dwell in the Ephesians' hearts and why he'd want him to dwell in our hearts is because Paul knows that Jesus' ways are the best. Like, do you know that? See, Jesus is perfectly wise, and so he knows the best way to live, and he is perfectly good, and so he cares enough about you to tell you the best way to live. And because he's perfectly wise, he's perfectly good, his ways are going to be the ways that lead to life and freedom and flourishing and joy and restoration and health. But our faith is weak. We have a hard time believing that. So Paul prays, strengthen them with power through your spirit. Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. But our faith, friends, is not the only thing that's weak. Our minds are also weak. And I'm just up here just throwing bombs at you. You're, you're weak. Your mind's weak. But like, that's, that's why Paul's praying for power here. I mean, we don't want to think that we have weak minds. And I will grant you that many of you all have much larger minds, if you will, than I do. But compared to God, our minds are finite. They're small. They're weak. In fact, they're so small that we cannot grasp, comprehend his love for us. That's why what Paul prays for next. And listen, the reason that he's going to pray for God to be able, for them to have power to grasp God's love for us is because this is the reason we don't trust Jesus. If we could just grasp how much he loves us, then we would trust what he says. We would know, okay, you, you, no, you definitely have my good interests at heart. I know, I know that I can trust your word. But we don't fully grasp his love, then we don't fully trust him. Here's what Paul prays. Pick up verse 17. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have, here it is, that word again, power together with all Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And then hear this. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Why do we need power to grasp Jesus' love? It's because Jesus' love surpasses our knowledge. Like, we can't grasp it without God's power. And this word grasp is really interesting because in the Greek, it means to wrestle or overpower. That's what grasp means. In fact, the word was used in Greek literature to talk about sacking or plundering a city. And so it feels kind of a weird word choice for Paul to go to here, right? But in this context... Paul is saying we need to be strengthened by God's power to, so that we have enough strength in our inner being to wrestle, if you will, or wrap our minds, our arms around this love of God and pull it into our hearts. So we don't have the power to do that apart from God's power. See, we're used to receiving love that we earn. We're used to Receiving love that comes in return for what we do, or what we look like, or what we have. But God's love is so vastly, vastly different than that. It is a free gift given to us. And it is bigger than we can wrap our minds around. And so we need his power to, to grasp it. I love, uh, I love, the, uh, I love this uh, theologian, Carl Barth who, if you don't know, he spent his whole career studying theology, right? He wrote eight very thick 
and hard to understand uh, volumes of systematic theology. He taught theology as a professor. He wrote many other books on theology. And yet one day, someone asked him, of all of your study, what has been the most profound thought you have ever entertained, professor? And he answered famously, oh, that's really easy. It's this. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And friends, I I couldn't agree more. His love for us is so utterly profound that it is beyond knowledge. We are too weak to grasp it. Our mind's too finite to understand it. We need God's power to wrestle it into our hearts. And so that's what Paul prays for. And do you know why he's praying for this? Like why he wants us to be able to grasp Jesus' love? For instance, because Jesus' love is the best. Like his love for you is the love that you've always looked for, that you have always longed for. Like it is a truly unconditional, sacrificial, forever love given to you by someone so far out of your league that you shouldn't even catch his eye. And yet he dances and sings over you. It's a love where he truly knows every single thing about you. He knows the worst thing that you've ever done. He knows the worst thoughts that you have ever entertained. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your secrets. And yet he loves you completely just as you are. He loves you so much that he died for you. So that you could be brought into his family. For God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you're still a sinner, Christ died for you. And it's that's the love that we've always longed for. To be fully known and to still be fully loved, sacrificially loved. So Paul prays for God to strengthen us with his power so that we can grasp that love. Because it's the best. For it's wider and longer and higher and deeper than you can possibly realize on your own. We need his power. And then, on top of all this, the third reason Paul prays for the Father strengthen us with his power is so that we can, in verse 19, be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. (laughs) To which... Like, I read that, I'm studying that this week, and I'm thinking, like, is that even possible? Like, I, I don't even, is that safe, <laughs> right, to be full, full measure of fullness of God? Like, I think I might burst if that were to happen, right? Like, you don't have to convince me that I'm too weak for, for that to take place, that I'm too fragile for that to take place. See, what Paul is praying is that we would be filled to the brim with all the fullness of God. That we would be overwhelmed and saturated with his presence in our lives. That we would know and experience him to that degree. And before we are tempted to write this off as just kind of spiritual language or some kind of exaggeration from Paul, I want you to know that Paul's prayer here is just a reiteration of something that Jesus prayed in John 17 the night before he would go to the cross for us. In John 17, verse 25 and 26, he says this. Jesus is praying. He says, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And I have made you known to them. And I will continue to make you known, hear this, 
in order that the love you have for me may be in them. The love that the Father has for the Son would be in us and that I myself, Jesus prays, may be in them. You see, it's, it's not just Paul's desire to see us filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. It's actually Jesus' desire, first and foremost. It's Jesus' desire, the one who, according to Colossians 1.19, God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in. Now he is the one who wants to dwell in us in full measure. That is such a wild thought. But listen, one of the things that this means is that we're not filled, in this sense, to full capacity. That your experience of God's presence in your life, your experience of his love and his joy and his peace is less than it could be. That you could have more of him and he could have more of you, that he could be doing more in your life and through your life than he is. A greater, deeper experiential relation with God is absolutely possible, but not by your power. Only by his. For we are, as Paul would describe in us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that we're just jars of clay. We're fragile. We're brittle. We're weak. But as he says in that verse, we have this power, and he's referencing the very presence of God in us. Or we have this treasure in this very presence of God in us. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So Jesus wants to fill us to the full measure of all his fullness of God. But we're weak. So we need his power for that to happen. Now, again, do you know why Paul prays for this here? It's because... He knows the best thing that can happen for all of God's holy people is that we would be fully filled with God. For not only are Jesus' ways the best and Jesus' love the best, but friends, Jesus is the best. The Jesus is the best. That's why his ways are best. That's why his love is best. The best thing that we could have is to be full to the full measure of God because he's, he's the best. But there's nothing better in the entire universe than him. But we are too weak to get more of him by our own efforts. And so Paul prays, Father, strengthen them with your power so they can be more saturated with you in all of your fullness. Friends, my, my faith, your faith, is too weak to fully trust Jesus. Your mind is too small to grasp his great love. You are too weak to be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. So let's ask the Father to strengthen us with his power through his spirit in our inner being so that we would trust him more and that we would know his love more fully and that we would be filled to the brim with him deeply experiencing him and his joy and his peace, his love to much fuller and greater measure. Now, if you're going to begin praying that, or, or maybe to get you to begin praying that, you, you might begin to wonder, like, or doubt, like, if I do pray that, is anything actually going to happen? Like, really, will anything change in my life? Will I really experience God to a greater degree, feel, like, know that I'm being filled by him to a greater degree than before? Experience his love 
to a greater degree? Will, will anything actually happen? If you wonder that, that's in your mind, then just look at these last two verses with me. Let's remember who we're praying to. See, in Ephesians 3, verse 20, it begins, Now to him, here Paul describes God, him to who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, who's Paul praying to? Who are we praying to? We're we're praying to the one who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his great power. That we're praying to the omnipotent God, to the almighty, all-powerful God. And he can do even more than we ask, and he can do even more than we can even imagine, can even think of asking about. You know, oftentimes we read these verses and we apply them to some kind of big thing going on in the world and we, we're praying for God to do something about that or something hard in our lives, some circumstances we want change. And we're like, God, will you change this? You can do more than I even ask. And, and that's fair because it's true. Nothing's impossible for God. He can, he can change anything. But in context, do you see why Paul prays this? He's talking about what God wants to do in your heart, in your life, in my life. He's talking about God can do more in your life than you can even ask or even imagine. So ask for his power that's at work in you. Believe that he can do this and he can help you trust him more and you will live a better life because his ways are best. You can know his love, his incomprehensible love to a greater degree that you'd be overwhelmed by him, that you'd be fooled to the full measure of him, that you would experience his presence with you, that you would know his love and joy. You would know him to a greater degree that you do, and that's the best because he's the best. He says, this is, this is possible. He can do it. He can even do more than you ask him to do. He can even do more than you can even imagine asking him to do. Friends, why don't we ever ask him to do this? I mean, when was the last time you asked God to strengthen you with his power that you would know him more and recognize I'm weak? I can't figure you out on my own, God. I need you. <laughs> when do we pray these things? Guys, we need to start praying this. And here's my challenge for you this morning. I had two, two challenges as we wrap up. The first is this. Friends, please don't be content with your relationship with God. There is more of him to know. There is more of him to experience. That you have a very finite, limited understanding of his love for you. That he loves you so much more than you recognize right now. Please don't be content to keep God at an arm's distance. He wants to fill you with the full, to full measure, with all the fullness of who he is. Don't be content. And the second thing I want to challenge you with is if you're not going to be content, then please pray this prayer. Will you pray this prayer? And you don't have to use exactly Paul's words here, but you can. That's a great place to start. But please begin to pray in light of your weakness. Like, be humble and realize, like, I can't figure it out on my own. I'm too weak. I can't have you feel me like I want you to. I'm too brittle. I'm too weak. My mind can't comprehend your life. I'm too small. It's too finite. God, I need your power. Will you begin to pray this for you? God, strengthen me by your power, with your power through your spirit and my inner being.
And friends, also, just like what Paul is doing in this passage, the other thing I want to encourage you to do is will you pray this prayer for others? Like Paul is praying this prayer for the Ephesians. And then he gets into that part where he says, and all the Lord's holy people. He's, now he's praying for all of us too. And will you pray this for the people in your life? Your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your roommate, your coworkers, your neighbors, your kids. Praying over Camp in Enoch last night. And just thinking about this, and I'm praying, God, they're weak in Camp in E. Y'all, y'all are. Y'all are very weak. But um, <laughs> they're weak. They cannot understand it. Help them. And then I'm thinking, but I'm weak too. God, give us power. Don't, don't let us be content. Friends, let's pray this. Will you pray it this week? Let me pray it over you right now. Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of your holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the full measure of all your fullness. And I pray that knowing you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to your power. That this is at work within us. God, to be your, your glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. May we all say, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.